welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. My name is C.J. Reynolds. I have a YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And the idea here is that I'm trying to provide some glimmer of like hope or sanity for folks that are, um, Tracy said this seems better, for folks that are like gearing up for the week, right? You're a teacher, you're a, a parent, you're a student, and you're trying to get ready for the week. And we're trying to like help you out with that. So while I'm waiting for people to transfer over, if you already heard me say this spiel already, I'm gonna say it again. Um, I am coming back tomorrow from a day or I was gone for a week in Belize. I took students to Belize and we did everything from scuba diving, snorkeling, zip lining, climbed Mayan temples, saw uh, crocodiles, and I told the kids I saw a mermaid, but I, that wasn't true. It's me though. Can I turn it sideways? Will it work? Will it trade? Orientation is locked. Rotate device back. It can't. So it's going to look like oh, that. Did. did it do it? No. It's telling me that I can't. Okay, you can't. All right. So <laughs> we're just going to keep... This is... It, we're a crack operation here. No, you just never know what you get with live. It's just, problem. you know, it's live. It's what happens. Um, so we went on this trip. We got back last Sunday night, which is why we didn't have one of these last Sunday night, because I didn't get into 11 o'clock my time. And then I've been off with my kids all week. And so it's... Uh, it's so MZ book said that this is better also. Mm -hmm. So we are, I'm getting ready to jump back into school tomorrow. And to be honest, like I'm getting a little nervous also just cause I haven't been there and a lot happened like when I was gone. And so I'm interested in like what that's going to look like when I'm walking back in the door tomorrow. Plus I still have to firm up like some lesson plan stuff uh, this week. <laughs> it's all right. That was a book bag. At least it wasn't a child coming down the steps. This is a this is an eventful night. I mean, it's like we're we're killing it over here. So as I'm talking, if you want to go ahead and put questions in the comment section, or if you want to leave uh, like answer someone's question, that's cool too. Um, oh, that was you. So and then I can't see them on my phone, but my wife will just read them to me from the side, or she'll you'll hold it up to me. Yeah. Read, I don't have any. Okay. So I'm, I'm just I'm just prepping everyone because we're doing a good job so far tonight. Um, so this week we are starting Lord of the Flies. I'm going to do it with the ninth grade and the tenth grade this week, and I'm excited for that because it's one of my favorite books of the year. There's a lot of like I could teach Lord of the Flies for like two months because it's just there's so much great stuff that you could pack into that book um, that would be really really fun from the way that we study imagery when we're doing it, the way that we study things like uh, like symbolism and character development, and just a lot of the conversation that it brings up, like what do you do when no one's looking? What would happen if you were on an island alone? Who are we deep inside? Are you a good individual or a bad individual? Did you start out like that? Did you not start out like that? It gives me the opportunity to talk to my guys about things like um, being, a man and what does that mean right so like what were you taught um about being a man when you were growing up and what does you know how do you feel about that like let's let's break that down a little bit and have that conversation so teaching lord of the flies offers me all these really amazing opportunities uh but this time we're reading it as a play just because it's easier to read in class and then i also have the novel version for the boys so if they have anything to do at home, they can read the novel. But while we're in class, it just reads better with kids that struggle to read um, or that get bored very easily to be able to, like, break that down and read it as a play instead of just as a book in class. Um, this is my first question. So second question, because we had one on two live feeds ago, 10 minutes ago. Um, Kirsten H. is asking, I'm currently a student, but I've decided to go into teaching. I love your videos. They're super informative and inspiring. I would love to make my own teacher YouTube channel. Any tips or advice? So I would say this. That's, a, that's an interesting idea. And here's why I think that that's cool. One, I would 
um, you know, Gary Vee is always saying like document over create. And the reason I think that, that I, I like the creative part of it, so I can't strictly do that. I like the editing portion and I like getting cool shots. I really wish I had film of from when I started teaching. Like it would be really fun to look back. My hair was all brown back then. Um, <laughs> and to hear my ideas of what it was like to teach or the things that I struggled with. I think it would be kind of the equivalent of like doing a weigh-in before you wanted to lose weight or before you started working out hard to take like when they tell you to like take a picture of yourself with no shirt on. So you can see the difference. You can see the growth. And I wish I had that. I have like two pictures of myself from when I started teaching in the classroom and that would have been fantastic. So I would just tell your story uh, and you don't even have to feel like you're, you know, imparting any knowledge on people. You, you really simply are like, telling what it's like to be a first year teacher. And even now, like go getting ready to go into teaching to follow that story uh, is really interesting. Someone, um, what's Fernanda's channel? One Happy Classroom. So my friend, that one, that one Happy Classroom is a channel on YouTube from my friend Fernanda. And that's what she's doing. This is her first year teaching. And she went from being like a makeup channel to being a teaching channel. And I just, I like that idea of like documenting that. So that's what I would do um, if I had a YouTube channel um, in my first year of teaching. This is Kimberly Walbach. Walbach says, what's the best way to work with and communicate with a principal and faculty? Whoo! Kimberly, you're trying to get, I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but that's a tricky situation i would say one is being completely honest i don't play games of like people try and be like political or try and figure out if they want like how much they want people to know like it, you know especially how do i want to answer this because a lot of things are kind of going through my head when i'm thinking about that but one i would say be honest and be yourself don't pretend to be anyone else don't pretend to play anyone's game even if you feel like that's gonna mean your job, because why would you wanna work at somewhere where you couldn't like be authentic to who you are? I think when I have conversations with my principal or with uh, what we refer to as the CEO of the school, who's the guy who like runs my school in Philadelphia, um, I always put the kids first. Like every decision I make, every question I have, everything I want to do, it very rarely has anything to do with me. It's always about the students and it's, I think it's easier for folks to listen to you if you make the case about the student. So if you want to take a trip or you want to go or you need new resources for your classroom or supplies, make it a student centered. And then people, I just feel like in life are more um, caring, giving, gentle when you make it about the students. Um, and I would, especially with faculty, I don't know that this happens with administration so much, but maybe it does. I'm thinking about this idea my friends and I refer to as closing the loop, which means if I have a friend, let's say I have, uh, let me think of someone at school. Let's say Ed at school I hear is talking trash on me, right? So my friend Dan comes to me and says, hey man, did you hear Ed is saying this thing about you? Um, I'm immediately going to go to Ed. I don't have to rat Dan out for telling me that, but. I'm immediately going to close that loop because I don't want it to become toxic. That's when things become toxic is when people are like talking on the low. They need to know that I'm going to come right at you. And from a place of not always like I'm ready to like punch you in the face with with my anger or whatever, but from a place of, hey, did I do something to upset you? Like I see that you're, you know, I heard I heard this and I just want to make sure that we're cool because I just want us to be successful and to be here for the kids. And if you come at it from that perspective this is this is my take on it my wife would do something very different we, we always <laughs> laugh that uh my wife has zero finesse and that really comes in handy sometimes but i'm all about trying to like navigate those waters in the best way that i can so that stays positive um and so sometimes i have to go in first and then i have to warn people that i'm about to send my wife in here if you don't get it together right buddy all right so the <laughs> The other thing I would say is closing the loop can look like if someone comes to me and complains about someone else or about something else, 
if it's just getting it off their chest, if it's just them looking for someone to listen to, someone to uh, to kind of air it out with, that's that's different. But if you're just coming to me to just talk trash all the time, I'll let folks know like I'm not the guy for that. Like there's tons of people that would be willing to do that, but I can't do that with you because then what you're doing is you're putting that on me, and now I I have that information, and so I'll tell people if if it gets too much, I'll tell them like. If I can't listen to this, but if you keep telling me, I'm going to have to go to that person because you keep complaining about the same thing, complaining about the same person. And I don't the, think that's true. You no? you tell those people that listen that you that are complaining to you, you end up telling them, I think what you need to do is go talk to this person. You put it on them first. You don't just go rat that person. Well, no, out. I wouldn't rat them out. I would tell them though, like, you know, you need to do that sometimes yeah, or like, I'm going to like help you out. Yeah. With that. I know, but you just jumped in. Sorry. And people don't even see. It looks like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> All the time. Not so secret wife. What do you got for me? Uh, Sorry. My wife. I'm, well, I only have one. It's okay. I only have one That's all right. thing. Um, Kirsten H. is saying, how do you respond when your students or district ask about your YouTube channel? That's real interesting too. So last year I didn't because I had 40 subscribers this time last year. Now I have like, I don't know, we have broke 10,000 recently. So it wasn't an issue last year, but now that my channel has grown, has become an issue. I have to make sure that I have permission slips for all the students that are on my YouTube channel. Um, I am careful not to like, so I have limitations at school. I'm not allowed to like record during the school day. It has to be before school or after school. And so that is tricky. And it's particularly tricky because I want, there's like, I want to just record a lesson and I'm trying to figure out still like how I can do that. Cause I think I have some room at school to do that. If I just have a conversation with some, with like the people that are in charge. But, um, you know, I, I, I've not gotten any, negative feedback from any kids or any parents, partially because I think I just try and like put my students in a positive light. I'm not afraid to talk about real stuff or tricky stuff, but I never drop names or places. I rarely say where I actually teach, which is probably not very hard to figure out. Um, but I, I, the whole idea here is for me to be positive, right? There are a number of channels out there where like folks aren't afraid to talk about like the negative aspects of their school or people that they don't like and and drop names or drop you know at least their titles and that gets hairy because that's that can come back to bite you so i think when you're making it about the kids when you're making it something i'm trying to do positive for the world for other teachers like it's hard to come at that and i just happen to have a lot of freedom at my school and really understanding administration that kind of like go along with what I'm trying to do here and realize what I'm trying to do here. And your students all love it. Oh, and my students love it. I have parents that watch. I have parents that maybe are watching now. I have students that are probably watching now. Um, I have kids that uh, like they're, you know, that watch in the morning. I've, I've, you know, one of the cool things about this is I have parents that watch my YouTube channel that will tell their, that like, watching it because they have some idea of what's going on in school because their teenager is not coming home anymore and telling them what's happening during the day and so when they see it on my channel they're like oh that's what that trip looked like or that's what um that lesson was or that's what you were making that project for why you had to bring in a poster board or whatever it was they are giving getting like this little glimpse and it makes me really think of as a parent like i would love to have a glimpse inside my child's classroom and see like what they're doing and what that looked like because when they come home they just tell you like you know you say what'd you do today nothing and then you find out like something awesome happened except for when that canine Someone's dog came about in. what fernanda's channel was again fernanda's channel is that one happy classroom can we put that in the comments uh, yeah. are we able to put a comment and in there says... she's wonderful she teaches in arizona uh, tiffany tran i know that name says, have you ever been disappointed, surprised by certain choices your students have made constantly? I think, I think the hardest thing about being a teacher is, is wanting so bad for kids that don't always want for themselves, right? You see the potential in young people that they don't yet see in themselves. And it is very, very disappointing. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I have a ton of kids that like, 
I was real worried about that are like killing it right now. I gave a talk at St. Joe's University in Philadelphia a few weeks ago and I was talking about this guy, Nate, that I used to teach who had a very tumultuous high school career and like made a lot of bad choices. And I, I asked him if I could share his story too. So this isn't like anything he wouldn't want to be putting out there, but without going in spe into specifics, he had a, a hard time and like he was not really sure what his future was going to hold. And now I was texting him the other weekend and he was telling me that he's in school, he's getting ready to finish his first year at college. He goes somewhere far away, he told me, where there's more stars than he's ever seen, where it's actually dark at night. Because in Philly, it's never really that dark and you can't see the stars because of all the ambient light from the, I think that's what's called ambient light, from all the buildings around and stuff. And how he went somewhere where he didn't know anyone. He didn't want to know anybody at his school. And I just think that that is the kind of stuff that like we're in this for, right? We're, in, we're not in this because we want um, just all the happy endings. Like you have to be ready for the, for the tough stuff too and to help students like navigate through that because kids are gonna make bad decisions all the time. But then it's not just what bad decision did you make, but like, all right, let's learn from that. And how can I help you navigate through that, that tough moment so that you can see kind of what you're like, what did this say about the fact that you were made of? In my video I made yesterday, I used this quote from my friend, Derek Brown, who's a poet, who said, losing is pregnant with chance. And I love that idea so much because it just means that like your losses don't just define like the negative aspects about you. They're telling, they're, they can be so telling of, or of like what you are capable of next. Like how are you gonna come back from that? which is easier said than done. But, you know, with young people, we can be that kind of guiding voice for them. Uh, our Woodward future teacher. That's a great name. It's Roderick. Um, who's it? Oh, it's Roderick? Oh, yeah. He's oh, all right. There it is. In the all right. Um, so, hey there, it's Roderick. All right. How are you? I am well, Roderick. Thank you very much. Um, I just received my elementary teaching certification in February. And I would like to know your thoughts on getting through the first year. Hold on tight, Roderick, like it's a roller coaster and ride it out. Here's what I would say about your first year. And I answered this question when I tried to do a live feed earlier and it failed. One, make sure that you are checking out other teachers, right? You are going to be overwhelmed with work. You will never get all that work done. So just submit to it like it's an argument that you're never going to win. Um, and then make time for other things. One of those things should be to check out other teachers. Ask the students or ask the teachers, who's the best? Who won teacher of the year? Who's the everyone's favorite teacher or the funniest teacher or the most organized teacher? And then in like 10 minute increments, go in and just sit in the back of their class. I'm sure they'd be more than happy to have you in and give them a heads up and say like, hey, on Friday, could I come in and watch your class? And then while you're eating your lunch, just chill in the back. It gives you such insight into like, if you're having trouble with a particular student and they teach them also how you could better handle that student. It gives you an idea of like what it looks like to transition from one activity to another. And then just steal all those ideas. Too many people try and make teaching about recreating the wheel when it's really just about stealing. That's why we have Pinterest people. Like, you know, it's all about sharing ideas, taking things from other people and then figuring out how you can make that your own. And then I think the other thing is to, you have to make sure that you take time for yourself, whether that's going out for a drink with your friends on Friday night or watching Survivor with your, whoever your crew is on, on a certain night of the week or going to the gym or doing yoga or um, what, whatever that, I don't know, maybe you're on a dodgeball team, but making those things non-negotiables. You have that time per week to play music with your punk band, even though you're 41. Um, so, which is still an okay thing to do. Um, so just be mindful of that. Like taking time for yourself is going to buy you, uh, you'll keep more of your hair and it won't turn this gray this fast. That's what I'm saying. Um, Woodland creature said, <laughs> that's great. I enjoyed your spoken poetry link on one of your recent YouTube videos. What other poets do you recommend? I would say, oh man, this is going to be a hard one to, so I, this is a hard one to spell. Maybe my wife can put it in the comments or I will leave a link to it below. There's a poet named Anis Mojgani who is 
the greatest, right? He has some really great poems. Um, but so my friend Derek has a has a publishing company called Write Bloody Poetry. And really anyone through them is really wonderful. Buddy Wakefield's another favorite of mine. Derek Brown's a favorite of mine. Um, not a part of that publishing company is Saul Williams. Has a really great poem that he did on deaf poetry uh, on that used to be on HBO called Coded Language that is just fantastic. And so I don't like a lot of poetry. I don't like snapping at the end of poetry. I feel like it's pretentious all the time. Um, I'm not down with berets. I could be convinced otherwise of that though. But um, I, I like poetry that's like in your face and is like really, really powerful. Uh, and so that's what I talk about in my class a lot. And I try and show a lot of poetry that is poetry for kids that don't like poetry. Um, so that's, that's one of them. Are you typing that in? No, I can't undo this. It's okay. Time. It's all right. Hmm. I will, uh, I'll, I'll ride this out with you. We'll link, it, link it below. We'll link it below. Carla Elman is saying, uh, great to catch you live. I'm glad you made it too, Carla. Welcome. Watching from South Africa. Dude, I was just talking about South Africa. Um, I wanted, that's like we have a big idea. South Africa is one i have this really great idea for teachers from all over the world that i'm going to get to in a moment because i should probably just drop that now and tell people a little bit about it we don't do we have, not flesh we out the have, idea yeah, all right so not. i'm going to flesh out the idea sorry if that built some kind of false hope or something um but two within the next few years africa is like one of those places south africa in particular that i would love to take <laughs> my students to but i think it would take several years for them to save the money because the trip's really expensive and you're but i would uh, oh, is my family coming too? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so my family's going also because we, we used to live, my wife and I lived for a small amount of time in Zambia. So anyway, that's one of my hopes and dreams is to go there. How much technology do you integrate into your teaching? Whew, that's a fun question because I would love to, but my school is pretty broke and so we don't have a lot of technology. Most of my 10th graders have um, Chromebooks but they're either broken or they forgot them or they didn't plug them in or they don't know where their plug is or, you know, I don't, any other number of problems. The ninth grade team that I'm a part of shares computer carts, but you have to reserve those. And they have, it's like this big old cart that uh, they roll into your room. It has all the laptops in there, but if you can't get those, it's an issue. Not everyone has cell phones or kids have cell phones, but they have like, if you have like a, like one of those kind of, in the US we have like these cricket mobile phones which is like you kind of go to the store and you pay it's like um it's like a prepaid phone and so or not everyone has cell phones cuz some kids parents don't want them on a cell phone or their cell phone looks like i don't know they smashed it with a hammer and so they can't really see anything on it or use it so it's really limited as to like what we can use and i don't have any technology other than that in my room in terms of i don't have a smart board i don't have like I have a projector that sometimes works. Um, so it's we're really kind of limited in that sense. Uh, so I don't use a ton. If anything, I use YouTube a lot. I use videos that I find to back up ideas that I'm trying to convey. Or I'll sh I do a lot with like those um, Pixar clips that show up like before all the Pixar movies to talk about like characterization like this is a really short film and like what is it symbolizing what is um we'll talk about like Shakespeare and like watch clips of things like that or when we read Night um the book by Ellie Wiesel we watched a lot of short clips from movies that were took place in the same time span from everything from Inglorious Bastards to uh Band of Brothers and stuff like that so I don't have a lot of technology in my room that's at my disposal. So that's really why I don't use it. Otherwise, I would totally love to use more. Statement. Uh, what's that? It's a, statement. it's a statement. Rich Warner is saying, I start student teaching in fall. I found your channel a few weeks ago and you have motivated and inspired me so much. Thank you, Reynolds. Rich, I'm glad. Um, that's what I'm here for. So I'm really glad to hear someone say that because otherwise it's just me in my living room alone except for my wife and that piece of plywood that I have to use to keep my dog from going up the steps and eating Lego figures. Uh, Rich, what are you gonna, what are you hoping to teach? What, where's your student teaching? And then like, what's your dream teaching situation? If you could leave that in the comments, I'm just interested. Summer Hayward, 
Uh, that's a really great, I love that name, Summer. Um, how was your trip? I'm taking 40 students from DC, from Texas to DC. That's a lot of kids. Next summer, it's kind of daunting task. Any tips? Yes. Here are my tips. One, did you say drink some Red Bull or red wine? Red Bull. Or both. To keep up with 40 um, kids? I think you are setting the tone for the trip. If you're having fun, the students are gonna have fun. I was way weirder on the trip than any of my students. My guys try and like post up and be tough the whole time. And I'm like singing songs on the beach and like doing cartwheels in the airport, which that was probably a little bit much. But um, I think you set the tone, build the expectation, build the excitement going into it that like, here's what I'm really excited about. This is what I'm excited to see you guys experiencing or you kids experiencing. Um, be mindful of the fact that like some of your students may have never traveled before, find out who those kids are and then really breaking down like this is what you need to pack. This is what you absolutely don't need to pack. This is um, what you're going to experience. Like walk them through the process. Like if you're taking a bus, what that's going to be like. If you're taking an airplane, what that could look like. Because I had students that had never been on a plane before and they were just, everything was new and amazing to them. I had other kids that had been on planes before and two of our planes kind of sucked. And so they, um, that was my co-teacher just texting me about next week. <clears throat> He's clearly not watching the show right now. I'm a little disappointed, Ed. So they, uh, come on. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that texts you very short texts, but like nine of them in a row. So I would just prep the kids for like all those little steps. Um, and then the other thing that came in really handy this time was we had all the parents and students sign up for Remind 101 so that if we took a picture of everyone because the boys kept not taking pictures of themselves and sending them home, it was like, we're at a butterfly farm. Here's a really great picture. And then we're gonna send that to all the parents. Here we are at a waterfall or scuba diving or snorkeling or walking on the beach at night at sunset. And you can keep sending those home and then parents can directly text you back if they want to ask about like someone's facial expression or did they like the fish or whatever it was. It made it really fun and more interactive to do it that way. Our trip was awesome, by the way. I have a ton of footage that I just kind of like got the first part of the editing done, but I have to um, go through that all again and then figure out how I want to present that. But that video is, is in the works and I'm super excited to show it to everyone because we had such a great time on the trip. What do you got? Indie Kitty. Uh, I love seeing things that pop up again and again. Do you like How by Ginsburg? I do, but that's a tricky poem to talk about because Allen Ginsberg talks about a lot of weird stuff in there. And I don't mean weird in the overall sense I think weird in depending on what grade level you're teaching and the maturity level of your students and kind of like where you teach in the world and like whether that's particularly conservative or liberal like that can bring up a lot of tricky stuff but I think um at least portions of that are worth doing and then like just kind of knowing your audience and being sure like I show stuff with curses all the time but it's one of the things we talk about in class is like, are people cursing in music and in poetry and in books just for the sake of cursing? Like you're a fourth grader and you just learned the F word and you just say FD friendly and have kind of like everyone be open to listening to his music. But how it was really difficult is sometimes you just wanted to like, you know, the F word is like the perfect thing to drop for emphasis on a point. And if you've ever read anything with a curse, even a mild curse where someone says damn in a, in a book, uh, the kids will be kind of reading and go along like this and then they're like damn and they really emphasize it because it's kind of fun to say and I think that's why the author had it in there to like bring that kind of emphasis so I would just be mindful of my of who you're reading that with if you're going to do it um, oh, I don't know how to say that <laughs> just rockets cool if he I'm gonna stick with that one. Um, what do you think about the teacher strikes and walkouts? Uh, so, um, I'm trying to think of what I think about that. I think 
one of my takes on that, when we had even the walkout with students several weeks ago when it was the, um, in response to the Parkland shootings, right? I think teaching students how to do that in a responsible way is really impactful for students. So if you were going to do a walkout, I would make sure to communicate with my students and their families like, this is what I'm doing, this is why I'm doing it. Um, and then I would make sure that I conducted myself in a manner that showed my students how you can stand up for what you believe in and what you think is right and still do that in a respectful manner in with love and without being, and even if you're angry, like having that be like sort of a righteous anger and not just like losing your shit all over the place, you know, like being smart about that. Sorry for kids are watching this. Um, I think there's a lot to learn in that. I had a student who texted me last week and I have a viewer whose name I won't share because I don't know if she wants me to. Uh, so I have a viewer that texts me while I was in Belize that I hear what happened at Howard University. Of course, I got nervous right away because there's so much madness with guns going on lately in schools. And so I texted her back and she said that the students had taken over the administration building and that she was there and that they were doing this sit-in. And so I immediately thought of one student that I had that was going to Howard University. I texted my man. I said, hey, what's going on? He said, I'm sitting in the administration building right now and we've taken it over. And, my, and then I've been talking to him while that sit-in was going on and really just, you know, what I was hoping for him was that, you know, I think that you get that crowd mentality sometimes, that mob mentality where everyone's in there, everyone starts getting a little bit nuts. Next thing you know, something breaks, something else breaks. There's madness, there's tear gas, there's cops. And so if you're gonna do that, good for you, right? Like if you wanna stand up for something, 100% do it, but be mindful of the manner in which you're doing it. Because sometimes folks are just looking for an excuse to down you or to, to spin it the wrong way. And maybe they're gonna do that anyway and to hell with them. But I think that it's a really great opportunity for, for teachers to stand their ground. I mean, and for them to show their students how it's done. Um, oh. <laughs> Audrea, I think I'm saying that right. Audrea Davis, have you ever thought, I'm grunting because I, I just really suck at saying people's names. I apologize. Have you ever thought about going into administration what is keeping you in the classroom and how do you know when it's time to leave the classroom? All right, so those two first ones are pretty quick um, and the last one, uh, not so much. So no, I have no, I, I have no interest in becoming an administrator. And the reason for that is I feel like, um, I just, I like the students too much. I like that part of the grind too much where administrators that I witness um, and so we have like our assistant principal at our school has done a really, really great job this year. He's brand new to our school and he came in never, as far as I know, never teaching at a school sort of like ours, but he's put in a lot of time and effort. But I, when I see him, he is constantly kind of like being called to put out fires. And I just, I don't, I don't get the sense that there's enough time for the good stuff that happens with students too, right? You're, you're just dealing with like, kids that got kicked out or a fight that happened or an irate parent. And although that stuff's really important, I think that just takes a very special type of personality to handle that. Um, and I, I like dealing with the day-to-day -day of students. And I think being in the classroom gives me more time in, my, in this type of school that I'm in to do that. So where I'm not, you know, having like, I. I feel like there's more of like a more face-to-face -face time with students um, for both things. So the thing that keeps me in the classroom is the students, always. Whenever I get frustrated, whenever I wonder why the hell I even got into this job, it's always the kids that make me think, that, that remind me this is why I'm here. Because you just, you know, I just think students need someone that's gonna show up every single day consistently, year after year, and that when you do that, for kids that don't have any consistency and not, and I'm not the only one, right? I'm not trying to say that like, this is, you know, freedom writers or something like that. We're like, I'm the, the dude that goes in every day and I'm saving the children. I'm a part of a team that gets to work together and willingly works together to come up with plans. Like 
you've seen my friends Cho and Yonkers on the channel before. And, you know, we work as a unit uh, along with other teachers to make sure that kids are having the best experience that they can. And I really like that. That is what keeps me going is the, are the students um, that I'm connected with and the people that I get to work with at my, at my job. When you know it's time to leave the classroom, I think, you know, I think you know, like not every school is the right fit for everyone. Just because you don't fit in that school or with those students or with those teachers or with that administration or in that subject area or grade level, like sometimes making the shift is better. We've all seen those teachers that should have retired a long time ago because they've been in the game for 30 years and they're burnout and they're tired. And it's just such a shame. And I don't say this to slight them at all, but if their career had kind of like pivoted a little bit or if they had taken on a new position, sometimes that can breathe some new life into you. And then you're excited about doing what you're doing again and you're not so burnt out about it. So I just think that that's, um, I just think you inherently know. So if you're asking a question, like maybe you know, um, and if you want to talk about that some more, you could even email me at uh, realrapwiththereynolds at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to like, if you want to share some details, we can talk that out a little bit. Uh, Tracy Pinter, what's up, Tracy? Says, Reynolds, do you plan uh, do you plan by the week or from day to day? Are you mandated to do one or the other? Um, here's one of the awesome things about my school. I'm not mandated to do anything. I don't even have to turn in lesson plans. Uh, which is like blows people's minds, but it's awesome. I plan out, so every book that I read takes about five weeks. I look at a schedule, I plan out when I wanna start, when I wanna finish, I write in all those other days that are like, uh, like when we have a speaker coming in, when we'll be on a trip, when there's some school mandated thing going on, when we have a day off, when we have conferences, so that I don't schedule over those. And then I can figure out like, can I, can I finish this book logistically in five weeks? Then I figure out what I want to read a day. So typically if it's like 10 pages a day and then um, when I used to do homework, I figured out like how much homework they were gonna have each night, like how long would it actually take me to read a book? And then what activities that I wanna implement, making sure that I did at least one activity a week and then plugging that in. So it's first I go, I do my whole quick unit plan, which doesn't take very long to do that. And then I typically do it by week so that I know what I wanna start that week and what I wanna finish. And then really after this long of doing it, and I don't recommend this for everyone, but I figure out that day what I'm going to do. So like either the night before or that day. And the reason I do that is because maybe we went over symbolism the day before and I feel like nobody had any idea of what we were talking about. Maybe we went over imagery and my example or my PowerPoint or my video didn't really hit home and like no one had any clue what we were talking about. And so I wanna be able to stop, note that, go back, check in with the kids, make sure everyone's on board before we push on. The worst thing you wanna do in a book is have like nobody have any idea what you're talking about. Um, so, making sure that you're going over those comprehension questions, making sure that you're checking in with students, making sure that you're not going too fast. Um, and, and so that's why like locked in weekly lesson plans don't really work for me because I still know what I want to do, but it's like, I don't want to move too fast and, and leave she anyone behind. She said hers behind. are due by Sunday night at 9 p.m. Oh, yours are due Sunday night, 9 p.m. I know a lot of teachers that deal with that madness. I just think, you know, I, what, here's what I would say about that. This, this is why that bothers me and not that this helps anyone out because I'm just complaining, but teachers are so often, right? Like not treated like professionals where they are treated as like kids or like, do you have your, you have to turn in your homework? Like, bro, I know what I'm doing. I'm trying to kill it. And what I'm doing is wasting my time doing lesson plans when I should actually like be creating something that I could actually use in class. I could build something, make something, design something that's actually going to be fun, but instead I have to tell you this and stuff that no one's ever gonna look at. And to be honest, I don't even work there anymore, so I can tell about this. When I worked in Camden, uh, I used to work in Camden, New Jersey. I'm gonna tell this story. <laughs> I did lesson plans my first year of teaching every week. No one ever, ever, ever looked at them. I use those same lesson plans for the next 
five years while I was teaching there. I changed the dates and that was it. I handed them the same thing. Sometimes it wasn't even the same book that I was doing. But you know what? No one looked at them. And I just handed those in. School, so don't, don't, don't go doing that and then say Reynolds told, uh, actually, I don't give a shit. Like, do whatever you want. But the idea here is that then I would actually work on my real lesson plans that I like sketching things out, coming up with ideas, being creative. And that, you know, nothing kills creativity like a form. Like, how are you gonna impact students? What, you know, it's, I think that's important and I think it's important for first year teachers especially, but um, I think Kate's saying maybe block someone. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I'm just, I just, I hear what you're saying and that stuff sucks. All right, read that first. Um, a Cage is saying, have you ever taught a student with disability like blindness or something to that extent? How can you help those students to be a part of a classroom and not feel excluded? So that's a really, what's that? Recommend Dustin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, he doesn't have that disability. No, but he has a disability. He's in a wheelchair. Okay, so like one, I would say, if you've not before, you should check out my friend. Um, he has a YouTube channel called Dust Tales, kind of like the old show Duck Tales, which is what he was taking it from. His name's Dustin. He is, I think he's, is he quadriplegic? Paraplegic? No, he's just in a, I don't know. He's in a wheelchair and he doesn't have, um, I think he's paralyzed from the waist down and he's a teacher. So not exactly the same thing, but it's a really great insight into like, you know, someone with that sort of handicap and then like, like, still going into the classroom and still doing like living life and like teaching kids. And, and I just think he's a really wonderful human being. I think also I've not had anyone that was completely deaf or blind, but I've definitely had kids that were hard of hearing. I have had students have had hearing aids. I've had students that were almost blind that had to read with like papers that were maybe an inch in front of their face and that you had to blow up the font. You know, I think, you know, and then kids that have like these, you know, what do they refer to them as? Like they're like the silent sufferers, like kids that have learning. dyslexia and learning disabilities and stuff like that. It all just breaks down to meeting kids where they are and helping them out as much as you can and just teaching them like they're actual people. And the best way to do that is to just talk to them about regular stuff. You know, don't not talking to them about um, what you what like about their disability although i think that that is endlessly interesting and sometimes people are afraid to talk to kids like i've, I've had students that i've had that have survived cancer before um and i i enjoy asking them about that i don't know that everyone else is asking them about that but i'm interested to know like what was that like and how did you get through it and like what does that mean for you now what is your outlook on life now but then still talking to them about like the new avengers movie or Fortnite or what else they're interested in and um, helping kids feel normal. I've never had to deal with any of that stuff on my own, but I do know after losing both of my parents, there are either people that in my life that were afraid to talk about it, that didn't want to talk about it, and people that just wanted to talk about it. And no, all three of those things suck, right? There has to be this kind of like happy medium where like you're not afraid to address it. If it comes up, you can address it, but then like just talk about normal stuff. Kids just want to be normal. No one wants to stick out no matter what they tell you and helping kids to just, re you're reminding them that, hey man, everyone's going through something. Some of those things are really visible. Like you have, you you know, are blind or deaf or in a wheelchair. And some of those things are silent on the inside like depression or, or something like uh, learning, dis learning disabilities or dyslexia but that we're all dealing with something and I'm just here to help you ride that thing out the best that I can. Uh, Kimberly Wallback is saying, do you have a website that has your speaking schedule on it? I found, I finally found a school that is a good for, fit for me and that's awesome. So First she, of all- She also asked earlier, a lot earlier, if you could come speak to her school. Oh, first of all, I'll go speak to anyone's school. Just hook it up, send me an email and we'll work it out um, because I love speaking. It's so great. I love like being able to actually talk to people, speak to students, speak to staff, because it's it's a lot more, you know, full than this conversation can be sometimes. Um, also, uh, I don't have that readily available. I, I like so. Here's the gig, right? If you look up Real Rap with Reynolds, 
Um, there's a website. I just don't have time to get to it yet. And that's one of my summer projects. There's a whole host of things that we're hoping to do, but it's a two person operation. It's me and my invisible wife. That's it. She was just giving me a hand right there. That was a stupid joke. So my son needs a lot of advocating at school. You know, I have as many restrictions as everyone else, but, um, I am hoping to get that up this summer. Uh, because I realize I do let people know late that I'm speaking somewhere. Um, so I'll try and be better about that. But Kimberly, if you send me something, I'll 100% come to your school. It's done. Uh, now she's going to tell me she lives in like Thailand or something like that. And then I got to pay for my own ticket. No, um, <laughs> so MZ Books is saying, do you have set texts or exams that you have to teach for? Um, here we have specific texts that have to be taught for exams. I don't. So we put a lot of emphasis on not teaching to the test in our school. So do I teach with the test in mind? Yes, but I never teach to the test. I get to pick also all of my own books every year. I'm allowed to read anything that I want. So in the past, I've read everything from, you know, things that are on. I try and teach things that are in the literary canon, meaning things that are going to be referenced through students uh, high school and college career, like um, Of Mice and Men, uh, Macbeth, uh, what else am I thinking of? Um, Night, Lord of the Flies. These are books that like students from all over the world are reading in high school. But then I also have taught things like V for Vendetta, which is a graphic novel, Persepolis, which is a graphic novel, Speak, um, which is a like a YA book that's more recent. I really just want to build interest. And I think that if you have students that are really, really struggling to read, it's more, it's in your best interest to read things that is that are going to actually be interesting to students. And so sometimes that looks like reading a book like uh, Of Mice and Men, but as a play like we did this year, because it's more interesting to the students. So um, I don't, I get to pick anything I want and it's really a blessing. But uh, I think even if you are stuck, there are interesting ways to kind of like shake that up, like maybe finding poetry that goes along with that or music that goes along with that, that you can compare and contrast or news articles or videos, you know, that you find on YouTube that you can compare and contrast with that. Um, I think there are ways to kind of shake that up. But yeah, like I said, I'm just really kind of blessed to be able to do whatever I want in that capacity um, for, with a word from our sponsor. Mm. We're almost at an hour. Um, cool. So we'll we'll finish up. We'll do a couple more. School for School is saying, have I ever thought of teaching a credential program? Uh, I think you would be amazing. I know you are mentoring a lot of teachers here, but I think that you'd be great in that role as well. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what that I don't know what that is. So could you program? leave a comment or something like kind of breaking that down? Um, the, the short of that is I love teaching teachers and I'm wait I'm really just waiting for the weather to break and cuz it's like 40 degrees again today and it's supposed to be spring. We were supposed to have snow yesterday in Philly. Uh cuz I want to do a meetup and I want to try and make those sort of regular so that like once a month or whatever or however often people would like to do it. We're meeting up and people can actually like show up and ask questions and I can give answers in real time and they can share a little bit more than they might be willing to share on the internet. Indie Kitty is saying how do I teach gifted kids in my class? Uh, so gifted kids, I are tricky, right? Because, you know, sometimes you have like gifted kids that are um, really quiet and they don't let you know that they need extra work. Sometimes you have kids that are like manic and need a ton of extra attention. I treat them like everyone else. First of all, no one gets any more attention than anyone else if I can help it in my class. And that means kids that are a huge discipline issue and kids that are like flying high and like are amazing students. Um, Cause I think that discounts it for all the number two students, like those in-between students that fly under the radar. So I try to make it so that everyone gets the same amount of attention. Um, but I'm not afraid to give kids extra work. Equal is not, or fair is not equal. I always tell my students. So. Some kids have more time on tests. Some kids don't. Some kids get to read shorter amounts of the book. Some kids don't. Because guess what? I'm here to push you. And if I think 
I'm not going to give everyone 10 push-ups for for homework if you know one kid over there is like you know skinnier than a dead model and somebody else has you know huge muscles like it's not fair that 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 sort of idea so I'm not I'm not afraid to give certain kids more or less work so you know maybe pulling that student aside or talking to a parent or talking to the other teachers is probably that would probably be my answers speak to the other teachers in that grade level, see what they are doing, and then come up with a plan for the, that student or those students to like, what's that, what is life in their class is going to look like? Or what is life in your class is going to look like for that student in terms of extra work or different work or reading a different book or, um, you know, that sort of thing. I think that, so, yeah, I like that answer. I would make that a community decision. I would involve the parent, the student, but first the teachers to figure out what you all are planning to do for that student to make sure that they are not just bored or tired or whatever in your class that you're challenging them and you're giving them the greatest possible, you know, class every single day, even though they might be, you know, moving a lot faster than the rest of your class. Uh, credential programs are like college classes for teachers. Yeah, so credential pet classes, my wife's saying, are college classes for teachers. Uh, I don't know that I'm qualified for such a thing. <laughs> Which to is be why honest. I do YouTube. <laughs> That's why I do YouTube. I am like, this is real rap with Reynolds. I was, I have no one in my, no, no men in my, so I was raised by my mom's side of the family because my father passed away when I was young. No one on that side of the family, none of the men ever graduated from high school. No one ever went to college. And so when I went to college, my family like thought that was ridiculous. And so I started in community college because I didn't know what the hell I was gonna do. I just knew that I didn't wanna like do construction for the rest of my life, um, which is what most of my family did. They were all in the union and so they all did construction or like put roofs on places. And I knew that that's not, I'm not built for that. These, these arms are not, it's not, that's not construction arms right there, buddy. Um, so. <laughs> I just did that. So uh, my hands are too soft. So I, I have done that work for side jobs and stuff like that. But when I went to college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I didn't really have any examples in my life for of anyone that had done this successfully. And none of my friends were really going to college either. So I went to college, I went to community college, and then I went to a state school at Rowan University here in New Jersey. And I graduated from there when I was like 26, cause I took like the, you know, the, I should have been a doctor um, by the time I graduated from college. And then I never really saw a need to go back for a master's. Like I didn't want to spend the extra time. I wanted to spend it with my students and all my classroom and doing things like that. Then I got married, then I had kids. And so I, I really don't see myself going back for a program like that. And typically you have to go for your master's so that you can teach in a college so instead i just started a youtube channel say anything i want and there's no lesson plans involved and it pays probably the same so um although nothing. although that'd be YouTube awesome but nothing. i'll tell you what <laughs> yeah it doesn't really pay anything but um i'll tell you what the thing i i i'm glad you brought up that question because that's one of the reasons i like speaking at colleges right i the only the expertise that i have are through sheer doing every single day, right? So anything that I'm good at, anything that I'm not good at, I can share that with the class. And I and I don't know that college students get that enough where they have an actual teacher come in um, and, and talking about their experience and like what it's like today in a school like theirs to teach. And I really like that opportunity to be able to do that with students. Um, Diane McKinley is asking, should we make this last one? We're almost at an hour. Yeah. Okay. So I'll see what that is. Di All right. So then this might be my last one, but both Wife for Life is going to check uh, the comments in a section in a second. Um, Diane McKinley is saying, I'm currently student teaching and I have a great rapport built with my regular English classes. Yay. That's fantastic. Um, but I'm struggling building connections with my advanced group. Have you seen a similar issue? Oh, yeah. So I guess it was last year's honors class, I called them so-called honors class. Um, they were just like, not those dudes. Like they just didn't want to build connections. They didn't want to have conversations. They didn't want to talk about deep stuff. They wanted work. They wanted to complete work. They wanted to hand in work. And even the conversations we had about stuff 
were very rarely like personal. They had a hard time like connecting their life to a text. And I think sometimes, I think it's just the way it is. Like some groups you get one year and they're awesome. Some groups you get another year, they're really challenging. Some groups are boring. Um, and so I think that that's just how it is. I wouldn't stop trying though. So I would maybe try to like ask them, like sometimes turn it to the students like, hey, this is the idea of the kind of class that I want to have. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to connect with you guys. Do you see a way that we can do that? Or is that something you're interested in? Or, you know, sometimes turning it around and giving the students a voice is the best thing you can do in general. Like, do you like learning about this? Do you not like learning about this? Do you like the way this class is going? What's something we could do to make the class more engaging or more fun or more interesting or more exciting? And having those conversations, I guarantee you, most of those students have never been asked those sorts of questions before. So giving them power, giving them a voice in the classroom is something that's like super awesome. And I think is really, really useful to students. Um, Cause they start learning about like, yeah, what do I think about this? How do I feel about this class? What would I want out of it? Uh, Patrick Nolan is asking, saying, hi Reynolds. Uh, what would you say is the best way to control a class when you aren't exactly a strict person? Um, you don't have to be a strict person. I think you have to be a consistent person. So I am super weird. I do a lot of silly stuff. I do, I hand out mustaches. I draw on kids sometimes. I shoot them with water pistols. I have robot arms that I bought from Ikea this year that are awesome. Um, I have bubbles in my classroom. We eat cereal. Like we do all this weird stuff, but my non-negotiables are non-negotiable. You do not talk when I'm talking because guess what? I'm important, man. And I will listen to you 100% when you're speaking also. But right now, I need you to stop what you're doing and listen to what I'm saying. Um, I need you to be engaged in the work. You showed up to class. I'm assuming you want to be here. Otherwise, don't come to class. Drop don't drop out. That's a bad thing to tell kids. Like, go to another school. Go to another class where, like, the teacher doesn't care if that's what you're looking for. But I'm here to try and, like, help you be the big, the greatest student that you can be on my best days. Sometimes I'm not so good at that. But, um, like, you know, you're trying to, like, b build a class that looks a certain way and letting the kids know, like, look, I want this to be the best 50 minutes or hour and a half of your day. Um, how can we do that? And so I, I think... Um, one, being consistent and not letting those things slide. Two, letting kids know how excited you are about actually being there. My students know that I love them. I tell them all the time that I love them. They know that I, I love being in school. They know when I'm excited about a lesson, when I'm, when I think a lesson's kind of a drag or when like, this isn't going so well, what are we going to do about this? This kind of sucks. So, um, being consistent and being yourself. If you're not a funny person, don't try and be funny because you think the kids are going to like it. If you're not overly strict or, um, you know, my friend Cho always looks like this all the time. If you're not that person, don't be that person all the time. Like be who you are, but you can figure out a way and then just try a whole bunch of stuff. The greatest thing about teaching, one of the greatest things about teaching is you get to reinvent yourself every year. Make notes. This absolutely didn't work. This was awesome. And then you know, use those or, or lose those the next year. And that's how I would kind of go about dealing with a, with a situation like that. We got, that's, that's it. it. But tell, uh, Sarah, only schooling mom. Um, she said she's late again. Oh, Hit that notification. Um, she, she so I would say this in closing before you lock, don't log off yet. I see there's 55 of you on here. Please don't let me see that number die. Cause I want you to hear this. So one, if you teach from somewhere else in the world, would you please mind, or wherever you're from, would you please mind leaving a comment? I'm trying to get a sense of where people are coming from, right? Um, you don't have to say your school or anything like that, but just what part of the world, even if it's in the United States, where you're teaching from. I have this really great project where I want you all to be a part of that, and so I'm trying to get that ready. Second, if you want to not miss this, if you hit that little bell under the screen there, it'll set your notifications, and every time I put up a video or I go live, you'll know about it, and so, if you want to check it out while you're doing it, like that'll show up and it'll be um, a way for you to engage like quicker. But uh, short of that, it's going to be every Sunday night, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We're doing this. 
Thank you so much for watching. I really, really love this. Um, look at all this stuff popping up. That's what I'm talking about. Canada, East Texas, Michigan, Glasgow, Ontario, Belgium, Massachusetts, Lebanon. The internet is so awesome. Scotland. Scotland. Massachusetts. I just said both of those. Oh, someone said South Jersey. South Jersey? Yeah, South Jersey. Middle of Georgia, student teaching in North Carolina, Trinidad, Canada. Um, what part of, of Canada? Uh, a C? Say. Say. Because um, that's a pretty big place. And I'm just, I Canada is endlessly fascinating to me. I love Vancouver. Um, except everyone's way too attractive there and you feel like the ugliest person in the mob all of a sudden. Um, come to Georgia. I'll come to, I'll go anywhere you want. Just send me an email. Let me know where to go and what the heck I'm going to talk about. So till next week, everyone, hope you have the greatest week ever this week. Seriously, if I could help you with anything, leave a comment, send an email, DM, whatever. And that's it y'all. Peace. Now I have to awkwardly figure out how to end this live feed because I don't know what I'm doing. Do I just hit that? Yeah. Oh, win hashtag winning. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great week. Peace.